All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Anything But Typical podcast. And in true form and true nature, we have got a Anything But Typical guest with us again, uh, Mark Lentz. And I can't wait for you to hear more of his story and his heartbeat, um, because I think you're going to learn a lot of wonderful things that can apply to your own life. But so, Mark, as we do with every other guest, um, we always ask this question in a various uh, taking various shapes and forms, but the heartbeat is still this. So you and your wife are out um, at, uh, let's say we're, you're at a musical with one of your daughters performing and you're in the audience and um, it's at intermission and somebody is talking about you, but they don't realize that you can overhear their conversation about you. What is it that you would love to hear them say about you? You know, probably the number one thing I'd love to hear is that I'm a person of integrity. Uh, that to me is, is, is really key. Um, so I'd, I'd want to hear something about honesty, integrity, um, and that I care for people. Well, that has been very true to my experience with you. <laughs> Thank you. <I> can't... <laughs> so, um, Ben, I know that you want to give the listeners a little bit more uh, background into Mark and some of um, his professional endeavors and just his background before we get into these questions. So I'll just turn it back over to you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it. So I'll keep this as short as possible, but Mark, you've got a laundry list of, uh, of experiences and accomplishments. So you are the co-founder and senior managing partner at My Next Season. Uh, Mark spent more than two decades at Bank of America in various senior management positions, most notably steering the company safely as corporate treasurer for four years during the worst uh, of the financial crisis. And then he also served as the CFO for risk executive. You were the capital markets risk executive, the chief risk officer for Europe, Middle East, Africa, and Asia. And we're going to hit on, on the, uh, the variety of cultures and, and countries that you've been in, because I think that experience is pretty unique. You you sit at, you sit and that have sat on a multitude of nonprofit and profit boards, in co including being the founding board member of Freedom Communities, and that's a nonprofit in West Charlotte, and it works with neighbors and other nonprofits to uh, to have equitable access to housing, early childhood, education, employment, and community wellness. So. That's as short as I could have made it for you, Mark, but I, I appreciate you, you being on. Thank you, it's great to be here. So I, I wanna start with the, the large corporate America, right? You, like you had, we had talked about, you spent more than two decades in, in Bank of America in different roles. Talk about the, the concept of working your way up in that type of culture. What, what was that type of experience like for you? You know, to me, I would say, I, I never had this dream of, okay, I need to do the next job and I need to do the next job and I need to do the next job. For me, it was more about how do I learn and how do I grow? And it was, it was this, and what I realized is you gain tools, you know, I call it, you, you have this tool bag that you gain tools along the way by learning and growing. I actually had somebody early on tell me I, I, I had an opportunity, a couple opportunities and somebody said, which one is going to be the toughest, you know, which one is going to challenge you the most. And I told him and he said, well, then take that one. 
<laughs> and so to me, it was constantly challenging myself and constantly trying to learn, not trying to go to the next level, not trying, but constantly trying to learn. Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. And that's, that's probably a much healthier yeah. mental approach to it as well. Um, so let's, let's talk about the, the culture I want to, want to talk about at Bank of America first, because I want to draw that comparison to my next season. So can you dive into what that culture was in large corporate America? Because I think a lot of the people listening are, are experiencing that. So I want to put a voice and some information to it. You know, I think that, um, you know, I was fortunate that I, th I think the culture was very good. I think early in my career, I would be of a nation's bank and then B of A was um, very entrepreneurial culture, which I loved. I loved the entrepreneurial culture. Um, we became so big that some of the entrepreneurial, you know, it left, but we're an entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial bank, you know, especially for a large firm. It was an entrepreneurial, right. um, you know, I always felt like it was a culture of, of do the right thing. You know, we said it and, and people did it. And I appreciated that. Um, you know, of course, you know, hard work, um, and, 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 and we always talked about focusing on client, but, um, you know, I would say if, if kind of, or particularly early in my career, entrepreneurial really stood out. Hmm. So, so building off of that and then going in and founding, uh, co-founding your own business, which we're going to dive into exactly what that is and things like that in a minute. Yeah. But from the culture standpoint, what were some of the the things you were able to take with you from Bank of America that you wanted to make sure you implemented? And what were some of the things that you were able to do differently being in a, a startup format instead of large, yeah. large company? That, that's a great question. And one of the fun things about starting a company is that you can create that culture, right? You know? so, you, so it's, you, you're within a large institution that you're working for, you're trying to create a culture almost within that you have influence over with, within this, you can create the culture. Some things that we were really focused on, one is purpose. We thought purpose was key. You know, we, we, the business having purpose, each of our individual individuals having purpose within that was key. And, and our purpose really is, and we'll talk, I know you said you'll talk more about the company, but it's to help people transition. And we'll talk more about that, but, and to give back. And so we said, we really want purpose. Um, number two is we said, um, we want to focus 100% on the client, just 100%. We want the client experience to be nothing less than excellent. I meet with every client when they finish their time with my next season to get real-time feedback. You know, how do we continuously improve? How do we get better? How do we how do we make the client experience excellent? So it's that continuous. Um, I mentioned excellent just there, but in everything we do, being excellent, and then. I would say teamwork and we often talk about teamwork, but in this case, you know, you can, you can mold the type of team you want that will work together. Mm -hmm. And when I think of teamwork, I think of a team that works together, communicates, enjoys, enjoys working together and having fun together. Um, and in a, in a small company, a team that everybody, everybody feels like they're an owner. You know, and there's a definite difference between working for a large corporation and being an owner 
of, of a smaller company. It, it, it's your responsibility. It's, you know, yeah. and so that ownership feeling amongst our team is really key. And so those would be some things that I would say that we've really tried to drive. And probably one of the biggest differences I, I know between corporate culture, you know, large corporation and a, and a small business is that ownership, you know, and, you know, if, if I, I, everybody should feel like they own this company. And if a client experience is not excellent, it's our fault. Right. We can't, you know, you, you, you and, and we're going to lose business, you know, and we're not going to achieve our purpose. So it's that, it's that ownership piece that I think is really key that we've really said we want, we want to own. And we want people that want to work together and have fun together too. So I know Gary's chomping at the bit. So I want to get one more question in because yep. he's got a couple follow-ups, but I want to hit on that last one of everybody feeling like an owner. How, as a leader, do you instill that mentality for, throughout the team, right? In, in making it to where everybody is taking ownership and treating themselves as, uh, as being in that, that headspace of, hey, I'm, I'm in this owner mentality and I'm going to take ownership over everything that we have going on. You know, one of the things that my business partner and Leslie and I did right at the beginning when we founded this company was we said, said we wanted to overly communicate to the team. You know, we wanted the team to be part of the process. If we were looking at strategy, we may come up with the strategy, but we wanted to run it by the team and get feedback. We didn't want to tell everybody what to do. And mm -hmm. Our team knows better what to do than, than we do. So, um, so making, you know, communication is a real key, you know, in, in overly communicating. Um, giving people an opportunity to, to, to make decisions and, and do the work. I mean, there, you, you build expertise within a company or you, you, people have expertise. I, I want people that are better than me at things to be working with me. I want, you know, I, I don't want to tell people what to do. I want them to give me ideas and, and, I, and Leslie and I may make decisions, but we want a team. So, so it was really around, around that. Um, and, and then really I would say, giving feedback. And again, this is maybe a, a lesson learned for me away from the corporate world is um, when you, when you own the company, you know, if it comes to people decisions, if it comes to uh, financial decisions, you have to make quick decisions. And, you know, the realization that if I don't give feedback to somebody on the team where I don't, I'm, I'm hurting them and I'm hurting the company. You know, and I think often in, in a big corporation, you may not be as quick to give feedback. And I think we've become very, you know, we've become, we're, we're transparent. The company's transparent. Um, we give real-time feedback to each other. We're all trying to make each other better. And we've, and we've created this kind of te teamwork and, uh, and, and really with the goal of making each other better and making the company better. So I want to, touch on that a little bit and then I've got a, another little rabbit trail that I'm going to take you on. Okay. Um, on giving feedback, um, even the toughest people have a tough time at times receiving feedback, especially if it's not, you know, flattering and not like, oh, you are the best, <laughs> right? But what have you found that makes someone being able to receive feedback better than if um than just like hey here's some feedback 
You know, I think from a, let me start by giving feedback and then I'm going to talk about receiving feedback. From giving feedback, one of the things that's helped me is to realize that um, very quick, very honest feedback. Sometimes I think you don't give it quick. You know, I, I tended to not give feedback quick enough early, or probably through most of my career. But um, giving feedback is actually cheating the person that you should be giving the feedback to. It's, it's not, you know, if I really care about them and I want to help them, I'll give them the feedback, you know, mm-hmm. now I'll give it in a very constructive way. And I, you know, but you know, if, if Gary, if you, if you and I are working together and I see ways that you can improve and I don't tell you just because I don't want to have the conflict, which we see often, you know, I, I'm actually cheating you. I, it's the opposite of what mentally we think, you know, but so one was to, to come to that realization, you know, and, and again, I think having the, the ownership of the company, you realize you have to do that and you have to do it much quicker than, you know, I realize the importance of doing quick. I think in receiving feedback to me, it's always been, um, I, I, I think that listening and, um, and, and I've always looked at it as when I've gotten feedback, how do I, how do I change and how do I get better? You know? And so to, and, and so to me, one of the things I think, and, and we work with young people as well is I, I, I say, go ask for feedback. You know, if you're not getting feedback, ask for it because the way you get better is by getting feedback. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, you think of when you're in a sport, when you're, you know, when I was younger and played sports, you know, in high school, you know, you got constant feedback. You didn't have to ask for feedback, but if you're not getting feedback, you're not going to get better. You know, it's the same in our jobs and our career. If you're not getting feedback. So, you know, so often we take feedback and we become defensive and, you know, we think it, you know, but the, you know, the, the thing is you have to get over that quick and say, okay, what am I going to actually do about this? So to me, it's been, how do you make yourself, it's that constantly, how do you make yourself better? So a, a common link between the two of us, which is really funny that uh, we were both at Bank of America at the same time, and I never got to know you, even know. though yeah. <laughs> right across, I think on the 56th floor, something like that, right across from the best boss I've ever had, Helen Eggers. Yeah, <laughs> right? I was, yeah. <laughs> and she thinks as highly of you as I do. And I, and you, you and I both think as highly of her as we, we do, because she's just an amazing lady. But one of the things that I learned from her too, and this is an important part of the feedback thing, she was extremely good at that. But I also knew that she cared about me. I knew that she genuinely cared about me and had my best interest in mind. And it wasn't like, hey, I'm nitpicking and trying to keep you down. It was just the opposite. And you, you, you said that in you know, different terms, but you basically said you're cheating somebody yeah. if, if you're not doing it. So anything that you would add to that? Yeah, I, I can't agree with you more. I mean, you know, to me you have to care about the people you, you work with, you know, and, 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 and I, I was actually kind of lucky early in my career. Um, I remember I, I lived in Chicago. I got the suite for the Chicago Bulls. It was back in the Michael Jordan days wow. for my team. We all went to the game, a, a bunch of uh, my team, my, Becky and I were just married. She went with me and I'll never forget on a drive home, she was talking about all of 
my teammates and 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 a lot of these people that work for me. And she started talking and she said, well, Mark, you didn't tell me Pete was engaged. And I was silent for a second. I looked at her and said, how did you know he was engaged? And she goes, well, I asked asked him how he was doing and what what was new and, you know, and I said, I didn't know he was engaged, you know, and then she said the next thing, this person just, you know, and she walked through the team and I knew nothing. Uh And I'll never forget. It was like a light bulb went off in my head. If I'm not talking, caring, you know, for my team, if I don't know them, you know, I I can't, so I can't really, you've got to know them. You got to care for them, you know? So it was this light bulb that went off in my head really early of, you know, in order to care, you've got to know, which then when you're having the conversation, it's much easier because they realize that you actually do care for them. Yeah. You know, and I actually used to say, I, and I've talked to groups about this in the past. I used to say, um, some people might say this is a little bit strange, but I used to tell people you should care for your team when I would talk to them. When I left Bank of America, I said, I remember talking to a group and I said, I used to always say that you should actually love your team. You know, it's an, it's much more actionable, you know, and, and then you will do those things. Man, I love that because no, no pun intended. Um, but that is a very strong word. It's a very powerful word and, um, and it checks our own motives. Yeah. Yeah. It checks our motives. Do I really love, and that doesn't mean that we got to go out and hang out after work all the time or anything like that. We may, but we can genuinely care and love for somebody, even if we don't necessarily want to spend a bunch of time with them outside of work. Agree. Agree. <laughs> so we're we're on the piece of leadership. So I want to build off that because I think one of the unique aspects, which I had uh, foreshadowed a bit in the intro, was holding leadership positions on three different continents. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit. What are some of the greatest differences in working and leading throughout the world, and and how was that able to make you a better leader? You know, I think that I'll say a couple things. Let me start by saying I had the, um, I, I had an experience. I grew up part of my life in Africa and then I worked, my first overseas role was in Hong Kong and then in London. Um, so I've lived on four continents and completely different. The thing that I found, um, consistent is, I need, you need to have a real, um, you need to listen, you know, and, and one of the things I found is that people often went overseas and they would say, this is the way you should do it, or this is the way you should act. And it just doesn't work. The cultures are different. And so understanding, listen. Um, and I would say really, you know, to me, one of the things that I always loved was really the people in the culture. You know, and sometimes I would see people walk into a country and they would say, you know, I don't understand why you do it this way. I don't understand, you know, and, you know, can you imagine somebody walking into, into you and saying, Hey, I, why does your country do this? I don't like it. I don't, you know, you would, you would turn on them pretty quick. And so, you know, to me, it's listening, it's caring, and it's trying to understand the cultural differences um, and not looking at the cultural differences as a negative, but a positive positive. 
you know, so, so to me, those are some things that I've learned. Um, one of the interesting pieces to me was in London. People, in, people think that the cultures in the U.S. and in England are very similar. And because we both speak the same language, so on, so on, completely different. And so taking the time to understand, listen, how to be effective, um, understanding your team. So if I had to say any one thing, it would be listen, you know, and, I, and that would be a key. Um, I'll stop at that. And, and, and anything else you. So, so from those cultures and, and going in and seeing how they do things different and listening to how they do things different and the whys behind them. Are there any of those lessons that you've been able to take into your role now as a co-founder in your, your leadership roles of just stuff you learned from that exposure that you probably wouldn't have otherwise if all of your experience was here in the United States? You know, I, I would say definitely, you know, and um, a lot of the leaders that we work with as our, 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 that our company works with um, ha have had global roles or some of them even from outside the United States. So to understand that and understand their experiences, I think is, is very important. To me, one of the keys was two, two things that I loved about it. One was it gave me an opportunity to see the world as much bigger than we typically see it. Um, and to see, you know, one of the things I always said to people, even with my kids, is my kids went to school with, you know, I remember my daughter telling me she went to school, junior high, with like 17 nationalities in her class. You know, she said, now I know what diversity is. I, I have 17 nationalities, I have different races, different colors. Um, and, and being able to appreciate and, and get to know people one-on-one -on -one within those cultures, you aren't looking at countries as good and bad, but you're looking at them as people. And so that to me was a real advantage that I had um, in, in living in those cultures. I think the second thing is that one of the lessons learned was particularly when working for a very big company was it's very hard to pilot and turn this huge organization. It was much easier to pilot in the, in the organizations outside the U S. So when I came back to the U S one of the things I love to do was, and I found often it's the exact opposite. Often the, you know, if it's a U.S. centered headquartered company, you, they tell everybody what to do. And what I like to do is go say, okay, you pilot this program instead of us piloting it here and it taking two years and then we send it everywhere, you pilot it and you can do it in six months and you send it to us. So I actually like to flip it because I saw you could make such a big difference in the international because of the size and, and, and you, by doing that, you built it that, again, that teamwork, uh, amongst all, amongst all the geographic locations. That's, um, man, there's some nuggets there. Anybody listening to this, I hope you're taking notes and you can always rewind because there's a lot of good stuff there, um, that applies no matter what size of a company you are. And, uh, you know, I love the name of your company, My Next Season, which is about transitions. It's about transitions. And we all have transitions in life. Mm -hmm. We have more transition in our careers. I had more than, than I would have ever imagined. Um, and yet you've had, uh, you had transitions within a large company moving 
various uh, con continents, et cetera, but then moving from, you know, arguably one of the, the biggest banks in the world, with Bank of America, and, and going through such a really difficult financial crisis. We've had some interesting conversations about that that you can share with us if you want to, and if not, I, I get it. But going from that to where, when you and I were first meeting at your first office, you were um, basically having a desk in uh, a commercial real estate uh, place. I think it wasn't the IJL building or something. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> and, and, and like, you still wanted to be uptown because you wanted to be with people, but you know, the cool thing was is you were just a block away from my office. Um, but talk about just your own personal transition of going from, you know, you were in rarefied air at Bank of America. You had earned your way to a very important and influential place that, you know, had uh, accoutrements and things that um, a lot of people don't really understand or um, realize like, wow, that's really cool to all of a sudden you're doing everything on your own. So talk to us about that transition, some of the things that you liked and some of the big surprises. Um, you know, I, it, for me, the, the transition, I, I had, you know, one is we had been through the financial crisis. The bank was in, in 2013, the, the bank was doing well. It's continued to improve since then, but was on, on good feet. Um, and I decided it was time to, I wanted to do something different. I'd always wanted to start a company. Um, I ended up telling the bank and I ended up staying 18 more months um, and then went back to them and, and told them I wanted to retire. Um, the transition, the transition, transitions are tough, you know, and, and it was a tough because I'd spent 27 years at, at, the, at the bank and predecessor companies and in a way it was my identity and to a certain extent and so it, it was tough and and um but again i'd always wanted to start something and this gave me an opportunity to start something um you know i also had the 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 crisis was you know an exhausting time and i wanted some control over my time and so those two things really really drove me into this um it it and I loved the idea that when Leslie and I kind of started talking about starting this company again, I loved the idea of the, of our purpose, you know, and, uh, and so we started the company and, and it, it was a, a huge difference. And, it, and probably the biggest shock to me was how long it took me to do the little things, you know, because at a big company, you have teams that can do things. And um, I'll never forget, you know, I, it, I started working out of my house and a little thing like scanning documents, I'd have to run from one floor to the next, but the little, you know, put the little uh, thing in the, in the computer and copy it, scan it, and then put it in another, you know, my printer. And it just, you know, I'd sit there and go, my gosh, I can't, I'm so inefficient, you know? So, so it took a while to get used to, cause you've got to do everything, you know? Mm -hmm. um, in a way it was great because you understand, it forces you to understand your business inside now. You know, you understand all your costs, you understand that, how long it takes things, you, you really understand it in time, inside and out. Um, but I would say it was, a, in, in a way it was a, a tough transition in as far as um, I had been at the bank so long, but something that I was really excited about at the same time. And, um, and something that, and, it, and I, like I said, I'd always wanted to start a company and it gave me that opportunity.
So you, you hit on a couple things there. You hit on basically how you got to the point of, of getting to your, your next season and kind yeah. of your, your reason why and, and some of the stuff of once you were in there. But what led to you deciding of helping people in transition or get to a transition? How did that service become what you were going to create your business around? You know, it really, I have to give credit to my business partner. I mean, I'd love to say it was my idea, but it, it was really her idea. Um, we had met, we had, had we had talked, and she came to me with this idea of starting a company to help people transition. And we said we'd like to help people transition across through different parts of their life. Eventually, you know, uh, college to career, early career, mid-late career, and to retirement. Um she had seen, she was an executive coach for C-suite um, executives in Fortune, call it Fortune 200 companies. And what she had seen is a lot of her clients that had retired had called her up and asked for help. You know, can you help me? I don't, I'm trying to figure out what to do. And so she came to me and said, I think we've got an opportunity here to help executives as a transition out of the corporate world uh, to, to transition well. Um, you know, and potentially even give back. They potentially give back, and, and so um, to me that that was exciting. She because she had seen, she had seen it, and I had seen the same thing. I'd seen the same thing with peers, and I'd also seen people that sometimes would tell tell me, you know, I I don't want to be at this company anymore, but they'd stay on and on. And I thought part of the reason was because they didn't know what they were going to do next, and so. To me, to help people do that transition was exciting. Um, we started with helping executives transitioning out of companies, and then we have added on executive transitioning into roles. And then uh, we're now focused on early career, which I just absolutely love. Talk to us a little bit, because I'm very familiar about the exiting later in, in the career time. Uh, and I do want to actually go back to that, but talk to us about this, you know, early career, because that's new from when you launched this thing. I want to hear more about that. Yeah, well, we, um, we actually had a head of uh, HR for a large company called us up in, uh, about two years ago and say, can you help? I know this isn't in your wheelhouse, but can you help me out? And uh, it was a friend of his son. And so we, we ended up spending time with him and kind of giving career advice and it was an area that we had wanted to jump into originally. And so we said, as we told people we were doing this, our friends said, hey, would you help my kid, my child? And would you help? And so, uh, you know, one turned into a pilot of probably 30 to 40. And, um, and, and so it's really, we call it early career advantage. It's helping people, um, A, look at what, you know, assess what they want to do. So if they, and then, and then, build skills that will help them have an advantage in their career. Um, we have, we are just going to be launching something at the end of um, probably the end of the summer. Uh, and we're, we're just fin finishing up a pilot of a cohort model right now, which is college age and uh, college transit transitioning to career. And, um, that I have found just, it's been a blast working with the, the people that are going through that now. Um, 
the pilot program, and I think it's at we we believe it's at a, a real um, interesting time, in that you have schools trying to figure out what to do, and students trying to figure out should I go back to school, um, and we think this gives them an opportunity if they're going to take online classes or decide not to to take a gap year to build real skills that will help them in their career. What are some of the things that I'm going to make a statement here because I don't know that everybody really understands this. You work with some notable names. We won't name them, but humongous companies of people that you'd go, oh, well, you're set for life. Uh, you're going to be fine. But you've seen it. I've seen it where people leave and you even touched on it about identity Identity gets wrapped up a lot in what we do. And if you've known this one thing for such a long time, and then all of a sudden you're on the outside looking in, uh, a very famous person that both of us know, he refers to himself as a FIP, formerly important person, which I think is really sad because like, well, dude, you're still an important person. You may not have the keys to you know, this humongous corporation anymore, but you're still an important person. So I, I think there's a misnomer out there that, well, well, if you're at that rarefied air, you're in that sect of people, you got it made. Well, we're all people and you lose an identity. I've seen it. You've probably seen it too, where people left and 18 months later, they're dead because they had no purpose. Yeah. And, and that's a lot of it. Yeah. So, um, what I love about what you're doing with these younger kids, um, they, they're having the same kind of questions, only they haven't had their identity wrapped up in this one thing. What are some of the common threads, whether it be at, you know, pinnacle of a, you name this, uh, you know, Fortune 10 or Fortune 100 company, so an exec that's left to a kid that is in college or exiting college or early in their career, what are some of the commonalities that you've seen in that? You know, you've said one of them, but one of them is purpose. I think, I think that one of the things that we see is as people exit their careers, um, they want to have purpose, you know, and, um, and in, in what they're doing, in what they're doing. And the, and the purpose may be, I, I've, I haven't been with my kids enough and I want to spend time with kids. The purpose may be, I want to give back. Um, the purpose may be being on a board or teaching or a dean in a university. It could be any number of things, but I want, I want to have purpose. You know, we see that in the younger generation as well. And one of the things I love about the younger generation to me is they want purpose now. I think in, in we kind of, in my, in our age, we said, you know, we'll work really hard and then we'll have purpose. I think it was kind of this mentality I, one of the things I love about the younger generation is they say, I want to have purpose now, you know, and thinking through that. And so it's an area that we really focus on, you know, is, is thinking about purpose and even thinking about the whole, we call it the whole you when we work with the younger generation, but, you know, um, thinking about everything from health to sleep, to nutrition, to, um, you know, you know, your, your spiritual life to, you know, intellectual curiosity. Um, if you're not taking care of yourself, you can't, you can't be the best that you can be in your career. 
And so thinking through that whole, the whole you and thinking through your purpose, we think is extremely important. So that's an area that I would say both definitely want. I think one of the things that we say for people exiting is take a pause, really think about what you want. You know, we, we tend not to do that. We tend to get going on our career. We don't take a pause. We don't discern what to do next. Um, you know, and so I would say very similar to early career, they, they may not have the time to take a pause for months out of a job or something like that, but take the time to really think about what you want. Take the time to plan, take the time to build those skills. Um, take the time to, you know, to, to learn, to, to, you know, to, to dream, you know, and so I would say that's a consistency in both. So there's a, there are pieces that, that are very consistent. But if you ask me, I would say probably the biggest is both one purpose and, and there, is, there is an actual process we believe that you can go through that includes kind of pause discernment. Um, and, then, and then particularly for you know, early careers, building, building those skills. It's, it's interesting because you're co- talking and comparing of people early in their careers, people later in their careers, things like that, right? And, and the different ways that they're thinking about it, but also lessons that they've learned along the way. Yeah. And I want to flip that onto you a little bit. So what have you learned in starting my next season that would have helped you in your corporate career? You know, I think that I, and I said this earlier, you know, I think one of the things that I've learned is uh, to make decisions you know, be willing to make decisions fast, you know, one, and, um, in that it could be anything from people decisions, uh, technology decisions, um, giving feedback, you know, don't wait, you know, I, I, you know, I, I found that in, in often, you would wait and give somebody a second chance or a third chance or a fourth chance. Or if you're working on a technology project, you give the tech and third, fourth chance. You know, um, one of the things that we've, the, the other things that kind of fits into that, that Leslie and I talk about often that we're, I would say we're both proud of is we're willing to try something and pivot fast. If we see that something is an idea isn't working, we're willing to pivot and try something else. And so, um, I think those two things would have really helped me to have those first because the importance, you know, um, you talk in a corporate world about being an owner and feeling like an owner, but because it's so big, you know, you, you, sometimes your, your small dollars feel like they don't make a difference, but having been in that little company where it does make a difference, every decision does make a difference, making quick decisions and being able to pivot fast have been, have been very important. And I wish I would have had been better at that at my corporate job. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And the more that you are in my next season as well and helping others with transition, I'm sure you're picking up a lot of, of lessons from them as well, which allows you to then convey some of those things to the next person you help. So what are some of those, um, I guess, bits of advice that you've learned in helping people that you're now giving to the people you're helping in transition? What are you telling them of ways to think about stuff? You had mentioned one with the idea of, of take that pause. Take the pause. Exactly. What you are know, some- I, I think that's a, that's a real key. Um, I think to be willing to, um, 
to look outside, to, to, to think outside the box. You know, I have this theory that we tend to put ourselves in a box. So to me, when I, when I started thinking about leaving Bank of America and I wanted to start, I, I'd always, I said I would always wanted to start a company. My box was I need to do something in either the finance, treasury, banking, risk world. You know, that's the, that's my box. That's what I know how to do. And that's it. Um, until I, Leslie started talking about this, I never even thought of going outside that box. And I think you, we had, we, the box is much bigger than you think. Another example, I, I joined a board of a nonprofit. It's an, it's a, it's a college. Um, I went to the first board meeting and I came back and told my wife I was going to go to the next one and then probably resign because it was all academics. And I just didn't feel like I would add anything. And what I realized is they had, they actually had global operations is that my management and my experience in managing global teams, nobody else had. And so being able to help, you know, so where I thought, oh, I can't help this. All of a sudden I realized actually I can. And so it causes you to think much bigger. So one would be, you know, to think out, outside the box and be willing to, to rebrand and rethink uh, what, what you do. Um, you know, to me, one of the things that we talk about is as you're leaving a company finishing well, you know, we think there's a real correlation between leaving and the way you leave a corporation and your next season. And so, you know, how do you finish well, we think is a real key. Um, and then I would say one other is just, you know, relationships, 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 and, and relationships to me are key. Um, we, we often give those up as we're, as we're, you know, in, in the, in the corporate world, you, 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 you're so focused on the job that relationships aren't what you're focused on and being intentional about relationships, um, your spouse, your partner, your, your friends is unbelievably important in, in a transition, it's important. Um, but in life it's important, you know? And so I would say, you know, those are a few tidbits I would say. Yeah. Well, one of the ones that I've noticed a lot, and, and it's interesting to hear it in a different perspective, but your nonprofit uh, board experience of being from a different arena and how that adds value in, in an advisory board that, that I run, we almost always get the best advice from people in different industries. Yeah. Because you tend to think just like you put yourself in a box for a career, when you're in a type of industry you think a certain way, everybody markets a certain way, things like that. And if all of a sudden you hear what a, a bridal boutique is doing to grow their business compared to a real estate company, it, it's really interesting because you get to steal things from industries that you would never have thought of otherwise. Definitely true. Yeah. Definitely true. And I, and I think, you know, it was interesting. I was talking to somebody in, in, and I thought this was interesting that he was telling me he, he joined a mutual fund board I don't know, 20 years ago, and his background was more in, um, the, in the arts. And he said, it was really interesting because I took the, I, I w had the mind of a client. And so I asked the, all the questions from the client perspective, and, and I may be slightly misstating, but it was really interesting what he bought to that board may have been more than the the best finance person that they had 
you know, so, so it is interesting in, in thinking outside that box. I agree with you is very important. Yeah. That'll make sense. Um, all right. So I know we still have, we've only got about 15, 20 minutes left. So, so I want to make sure we get a couple other really big pieces in here. Okay. Um, let's talk pitfalls a little bit. We've had, We've had a long string of, of positivity. So what are some of the biggest pitfalls that you see in people that are seeking or going through a transition? What are the mistakes they're making? You know, one of the mistakes that people do is make making decisions without stepping back and thinking about what they want. And so I'm going to use the executives retiring tra transition. Um, often what you'll see is people, A, a not thinking through what they want, and be not um, jumping at the first thing, you know, not having th thought through. You know, um, my business partner, Leslie, she had a, a client early on that um, he said, really what I wanna do is I wanna be on three boards, right off the bat said that. Um, she knew him and so she started asking questions and um, she said, what was, the, what was the worst thing about your last job? And he said, I didn't like the meetings. And she said, do you realize like 90% of your time is going to be in meetings? And he said, you know, I hated my board meetings and he pivoted, but you know, often we think that's what we should do. There's a lot of shoulds that, that we should do when we leave. And so um, one of the pitfalls is doing what you should do versus what you really want to do. And, and particularly the, you know, leaving corporate world towards retirement it actually gives you the opportunity to have a blank slate and say, what do I love and want to keep? And what did I not like and not want to keep, you know? And so it gives you that opportunity. So I say that is a pitfall. The other is just saying yes to things in, and over committing, you know, most people will leave and they'll say, you know, I, the one thing I don't want is I don't want my life to be the same at the same speed as it was before. I didn't get, I had left vacations early. I was on the phone during vacations. So I was, you know, and then they start talking about everything they want to do. And before you know it, they're on two boards, you know, for-profit boards, they're on a nonprofit board, you know, they're doing this, they're doing that. And, and all of a sudden they're, they're just as busy as before, but with 10 or 15 things. And so actually taking the time to think about, okay, what do I want? What do I not want? And what do I want my time to look like, you know, is a real key. And so, you know, thinking through those is very important. Um, but those would be two of the pitfalls if you don't think through those. So what about on, on the other side of the spectrum of the, uh, the younger professionals that you're working with now? What are some of those pitfalls? Because the scenario is completely different than somebody it's transitioning out. It's completely different. You know, it, what, what a wide, I would say a wide range of things. Um, I'm just going to say a couple of the ahas that people have told us, and, and that may give you twisted a little bit, but um, we had one client that I remember he said, um, I had actually come up with five, six, seven things that I, that we, that I really wanted to do that would give me purpose. And he said, my realization or my aha was my job was going to give me five but no job was going to give me the extra two. But by doing this, uh, giving back nonprofit work on Saturdays, I accomplished the other two. So I started looking at my life, not my career. Very, you know, very interesting and, and very insightful. Um, I've had other, we've had other clients that have said, 
you know, I never realized really what networking was and the importance of networking, you know, and, and really, you know, Gary, you're probably the best networker I've ever met. Networking to me is incredibly important. And so it was a great lesson learned uh, by that individual. Um, those are a couple that, you know, we see, you know, and then, and then even I would say, you know, how to tell your story and, and, and your personal story and, and then as you interview, how to tell your story is a real case. Those would be a few of the things. So early on, uh, when you guys launched my next season, uh, in addition to getting a company off the ground, going through your own transition, you, you launched a book, <laughs> right? We did. And, um, and I actually, I really like that book. I mean, as a fast read, but meaty, a lot of really good, important tips to help somebody navigate this, you know, what seems to be a, an uncharted world, you know, when you're all of a sudden you're, especially if you, you are forced into, oh, I got to do something, whether it be COVID that changed the dynamic of your industry or, uh, you know, uh, a reduction in force that you got swept up in or whatever it is, or, hey, I'm retiring out or, hey, um, I'm not going back to school because it, schools aren't open. You know, those are all things that we get thrown into, but then you had this, you know, you found time to do the book. Can you even give us some insights on like what drove the book and how hard it was to even do that on top of everything else that you're doing at that time? Um, we've actually, we've, we've put a few books out, but the first book was early on and it's called Your Next Season. And our real goal with the book was to um, to have a tool out there that more people could could use in transition, and that that was the the real goal. Um, and uh, Leslie wrote it and co-authored with uh, Bill Ennis, uh, and and it, it uh, I can't take the credit for it. It's a fantastic book, um, and the wisdom and the, and and uh, just the lessons learned in that I think are fantastic. And so I'd highly recommend it for anybody. Um, we just released a book and um, it called living into your next season. Um, I think it's the crisis of 2020. And, and we, we really had wow. done, we, we tried to use, you know, the word COVID um, and it, uh, and, and we're, we couldn't publish that date, so we called it the crisis. But um, and it was really a, and we did that in the middle of the kind of March April time frame of okay, we've just entered this completely new world, and there will be transitions within. You know, we've been forced to even a transition, and we've been forced to in a way take a pause from the life that we've had. And what does life look like afterwards? you know, and, 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 and thinking through that. And so both of those have been, um, you know, we've, we've done in the middle of, of being busy, but we felt like it was important to have, um, you know, materials out there and that we could, we could help with that. So what I'm hearing is it wasn't about time management as much as priority management. And what I hear in, 
running through this entire um, interview with you is a longing to make impact, a longing to make a difference and help somebody else. Um, talk to us about um, what, what do you think is driving that in you on this notion of giving back and making impact that goes probably back even to, you know, growing up in Africa or whatever, but I, I'd love to hear from your heart, like, what is it that's driving you there? Um, you know, I would say it's a combination of things. And, uh, you know, I had a, I had an interesting experience in, uh, I was probably 20 years old. I was in college. I did, I was trying to still figure out what I wanted to do with my life. Um, if I had to describe myself, I'd probably say I was a little bit lost, um, college student. And my father was teaching in a college in Africa and their basketball coach was gone for the semester. And, uh, so I decided to go out and coach the basketball team. So I actually have coached a college basketball team as well. Um, but, what I saw was that most of the students at the college were probably upper 30s and 40s going, going to college and that it was an opportunity of a lifetime to go to college. And it really changed my thinking is that to, I had this opportunity that I was wasting and I can't waste my opportunity. You know, I could, can't, you know, people around the world would love to have that opportunity. Um, so that kind of drove me early on in a realization that, you know, I did have an opportunity. I had to take advantage of it. Um, what probably drives me now in giving back is not everybody has that opportunity and how do you make, make it so that everybody does, you know, it's not fair that I have an opportunity because I grew up in a certain zip code or because, you know, certain things and somebody else just like me, they grew up in a different zip code, doesn't have that opportunity. Um, and so, you know, how do, how do we create, create equality? And, and that really drives me now when, you know, seeing kids that don't have, have that opportunity um, because of any number of reasons, you know, th that, that probably really drives me now. Wow, that's powerful. I'm just going to pause on that one. <laughs> I think it's worth thinking about that. Um, you know, gratitude, what I'm hearing from you, Mark, is gratitude. So thank you for sharing that. No, yeah. So that's probably, I don't think we're going to find a better spot to end on than that. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about about the future of my next season and for you individually and we'll, and then we'll send people to, uh, to your website and LinkedIn. Things okay. Like so, so what does that look like for you? What's that the, the vision or goal of what you're working towards in the business right now? And then same thing for you as an individual. You know, I would say from a, from a business standpoint, it's, you know, it's to continue to grow and have impact. You know, um, I, I'm, I've been really excited about the, the pieces that we built around executives transitioning out of corporations, ex, uh, executive transi transitioning into new roles. Um, but I'm really, really excited about this, the early career in college. And I think the impact can be tremendous. I'm, I'm really excited about this generation. I, you know, I, to me, um, 
what I saw when I was working at the bank and what I see now, I mean, the, you know, the people that are going through this pilot that I mentioned that are college age, I mean, they're amazing. You know, I, I'm excited about the young generation and, 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 you know, to me, what, what can I do to help them? And some of the things, look, I've made a million mistakes. And if I can tell them how to, you know, help them through without making some of those mistakes, um, you know, to me, that's, that's fun. And so to, to me, it's had to, it's continuing to grow the company in each of the areas um, it, it, with a real, I'm really excited about the young, you know, early career. Uh, from a personal standpoint, I don't know, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, you know, to me, from a personal standpoint, it's, you know, I would say probably continuing to grow the company. Uh, I, I, you know, the nonprofit that you mentioned that uh, I'm a founding board member in Charlotte, um, you know, I just love and, and say, you know, how, how do we grow that and continue to, and continue to make a difference and an impact there. Um, and then, um, you know, to me, it's even, it's even giving back through, you know, spending time with family and, and, and so on. So those would be a few of the things I would say. That's perfect. Any, any final thoughts or words or anything like that, that you want to throw out to the listeners? You know, my, 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 my two pieces of advice, I would say one is if you are in a transition, at some point you will be in a transition. So, you know, take the time to stop, to think, to dream about what can be next. I think it's, it's incredibly important. And then I would say, particularly for those, you know, early career, my advice would be stretch yourself, grow, learn everything you can. Those would be kind of two final things. And I think I've said them earlier, but I would repeat. Yeah, no, I think they're worth repeating. Perfect. So we will put uh, everything in the show notes as far as um, uh, my next season and your LinkedIn and things like that. And everybody be sure to check out those links and, and look at, at the books. And if you're in transition, make sure you, you check out my next season. Mark, thank you so much. We had a ton of nuggets in this. So I, I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. This was fun. I appreciate it.